0: Could you tell us what your sign on bonus was, if you don't mind? If not Yeah,
1: I I mean it's all public knowledge, so I don't hide from it. Yeah. So I was a first (laughs) round pick in 2012. I was pick number 25. My signing bonus was 1.725 million. You blasted one out of the park. Very true. Over the monster. Yes.
0: Was it like your I don't want to say best hit, but was it one that you were just Oh yeah,
1: for sure. It's one of the yeah, (laughs) one of my favorite moments. Absolutely.
0: I saw on YouTube that you blasted a home run for your first major league career hit, yeah? Yep, correct what is good everybody what is good i am pumped for this episode um as you guys know we've had you know we've had minor league baseball players on here we've had top prospect baseball players on here and now we have first round pick played a couple years for the tampa bay Rays. we got richie schaefer here what's up bro yeah what's up?
1: how are you doing today? For, i'm great i'm great thanks for having me on guys i appreciate it
0: awesome i'm pumped why not? Let's not waste any time, Isaiah. Let's get to know this guy a little bit more.
2: You ready? Yeah, hit me with it. What do you got? What's your favorite movie?
1: Uh, Anchorman. Anchorman,
2: nice. That's good you one. don't like the second? The first or second one?
1: The OG. The OG. The OG? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay.
2: Yeah. What's your favorite fast food restaurant?
0: Chick-fil-A. Not even close. Ooh. I feel like it's everybody's. Got? That's the majority of yeah. everybody's.
1: Yeah, I'm basic. What can I say? Chick fil A <laughs> sandwich, add Colby Jack cheese, spicy chicken sandwich. Uh, a 12 count nug. Yeah, can't beat it. Anything right. to- <laughs> for sure.
2: So I know you stream. Are you Xbox or PlayStation?
1: I'm on PC. I'm I'm full hardcore. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. what
0: games do you play?
1: Um, uh, when I was streaming, I was playing just a lot of stuff, but it was a lot of shooting games, Call of Duty um apex fortnite all those types of things but then i would play all kind of random crazy indie games so i'm a huge gamer nerd so um it's always been a huge part of my life and so So i would play i would play some of those things and then and then some of the crazy stuff yeah
0: we gotta (laughs) ask because if people play video games do you have you ever played or do you play mlb the show
1: yeah, that's kind of, I started with that because that was like a really easy way, I think, for me to like build an audience because it was like a baseball player playing MLB The Show and 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 I would build my team and like tell stories about like some of the guys from like the packs and stuff I'd open. It was easy. So yeah, I play MLB The Show. I've not played this year or the previous year, but I played a bunch of years up to that. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. And so what? you were in that game, right?
1: Correct. Yeah. And I stunk. I was like a 52 <laughs> overall That's ridiculous. That's sick. That's That's
2: brutal. brutal.
1: My speed was like 15. I'm like, come on, dude. There's like people (laughs) with one leg is faster than 15. What are you doing, man? Like, I run backwards faster than 15 speed. I was so slow. Don't get me wrong, but they're ridiculous, dude. Yeah, they're holding no punches back on that.
2: (laughs) Dude, I got to know, though. Did they do like a play? They did obviously like a player model on you. Like, did you go to the studio where they just like.
1: No. So, like, they did it in spring training for some guys, um, but i so so in 2015 my rookie year i wasn't in major league spring training that year so i actually didn't get to do the thing and then Mm. then they put me in the game because i made it to the big leagues so they just put like a generic person in there and then when 2016 came around they just kept my player model in from the previous one so like it kind of looks like me they just do like a picture but i didn't do the full like get in the green suit and put the balls all over you and like do this stuff or whatever um but actually my stance was pretty my stance was pretty legit My swing was pretty legit, Um, but yeah, just the rest of it was was kind of just you know generic player one type stuff. Yeah,
0: that has to be pretty. Which I would say is
1: pretty sums me up pretty good. Generic, generic player (laughs) one in general. (laughs) That has to be
0: pretty cool to be like that is my swing, you know, like oh, they didn't just put a random like that actually looks like me swinging the bat
1: yeah 100 percent. i mean and they had the good i mean they played discipline was like a 34 so i'd like swing at sliders i bounced like 10 feet in front of the plate i was like that sounds about right it's just like yeah i mean it was i think it's pretty accurate you know what i mean my problem with that will be the show is it's too realistic you know what i mean like baseball's really hard and oh, yeah. no one wants to like go up there and be Battling for 15 pitches in a video game. That's why, like back in the day, like I, I'm, I think, I think I'm a little older than y'all, but like Slugfest and like oh, yeah. those games are the Where best. You punch people, Did you I want to punch people, people? You kick them into the outfield. The ball's literally on fire. And you can hit like you know what I mean. Like that's I, I miss the arcadey baseball. I wish they would bring back like more arcade style baseball games. Yeah, so, oh yeah, I agree. totally.
2: I, agree. I I was I was a big fan of the the NFL Street. That's Heck I yeah, liked. all of those ones. Those, those, entry, ones NFL Street, those
1: are the best games ever. Yeah, those
2: ones were good. So what uh, superpower would you want to have?
1: um probably maybe teleportation i'm very lazy so like i wouldn't even <laughs> use it for cool stuff i would just be teleporting from here just like upstairs to my bed you know what I mean? like i would never use stairs <laughs> i would never use elevators i wouldn't teleport to like the beach somewhere cool or whatever i would just be like oh the kitchen and i would just zap up there and make a sandwich and zap back like it'd be the <laughs> laziest superhero ever yeah what's your favorite music artist uh, I don't really have one. I listen to a bunch of random, so I, I listen to a bunch of like EDM type stuff. And so my like Spotify is nothing but artists that have like one random song on an EP. And my playlist is filled with all of that. So like, I don't have a great one for that because all the music I listen to is just like really obscure, like like festival EDM type music at like I six you. in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: What's your favorite TV show?
1: Um. I don't know. I have three probably that are in my top three. I think they're pretty much, you know, hard to beat Um, South park, always sunny and uh, not as much anymore, but, but when I was, you know, my all time family guys got to be up there. There was like a stretch where I was, I just love those comedy shows. Like those are, those are, those are my favorite. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: And then what's your favorite sport other than baseball?
1: (laughs) Ooh, probably a tie between, well, actually it's interesting. It used to be a hundred percent football. And then it was, I'm a huge Clemson tiger fan and uh Carolina Panthers fan. Um, I don't know what we're going to do with the first pick. I'm very nervous, um, <laughs> but I've actually gotten really into hockey lately. I'm a big, I'm like a bandwagon hurricanes fan. Cause I live in Charlotte. And so bandwagon canes fan, but I also, um, have gotten into soccer a lot too. So I don't know. I, I would say football wow. for sure is my number one, but, um, Hockey and soccer are getting up there for sure. Nice. What's the one thing you can't live without? Uh, um, The non-corny answer of like my daughter and wife would probably be pizza. You know what I mean? Okay. <laughs> you know so you, know that's I mean? your favorite nice. food I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely pizza for nice. sure.
2: Okay. Yeah. Real, real question. Does does pineapple belong on pizza? No, no, no okay. it doesn't at all.
1: Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's funny you say that. So I actually, <clears throat> I actually wanted to write a book and I, I had a big list of stuff that I was going to write. And it was basically, uh, don't put pineapple on pizza, 101 things not to do in order to live a happy life. And it was basically just a list of, things that you should not you should never do like i don't know what you should do but here's things that you should absolutely not do and number one was going to be don't put pineapple on pizza that was going to be this whole like life book or whatever but still probably going to do that at some point i just don't have enough time but yes absolutely not it's not belong on pizza
2: oh not- yeah 100 <laughs> what's your dream car
1: a dream car Ooh, um probably either lamborghini urus or an aston martin uh db12 kind of mm-hmm. different different sides of the spectrum there but because like the Yours, I feel like I could actually drive around every day. The Aston Martin would be like, uh, you're showing up to something schnazzy for the day. Yeah, <laughs> you're, not, you're not taking that out to go to Publix and go get groceries, though, you know?
2: <laughs> Unless you want to just show off like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, maybe, you know, who knows?
2: <laughs> Who's the most famous person that you have on your phone?
1: Oh, um... I would probably say the most well-known baseball player would probably be Longoria. Um... I'm trying to think and so you yeah yeah probably him i guess you, you know. played
0: with him right correct yeah that's cool okay yeah. wow that's crazy. Yeah, him
1: or like so or like i guess Longo is probably much more well known than alex wood but so alex wood uh, the, the pitcher uh, yeah the pitcher yeah sure. so he's like one of my best friends from high school so um Dang. we got way back um so yeah maybe one of those two guys I'm that's sure. awesome
2: you're, you're just straight just shitting on your boy alex you're just like they don't know alex
1: <laughs> <laughs> i don't know maybe not you know I mean, he's like uh not nearly as uh you know he's a funky lefty pitcher you know those guys don't get as much uh so much cred
0: <laughs> that's awesome that's awesome um so like i said i got lots to talk about we've had people on here that aren't have never played major league ball and you have and <laughs> That's our that was our dream growing up. We're obviously too old to even try to get into it, but um first major league hit. Mm-hmm. I did some research on you. You know, I gotta look you up and I gotta mm-hmm. figure out some stuff about you. Any guess sure. And I saw on YouTube that you blasted a home run for your first major league career hit. Yeah.
1: Yep. Correct. Dude. Right field in Chicago. Um yeah, a little backside dinger to start off the career. That was pretty sweet. Um <laughs> Yeah, it was awesome. It was really cool. So my first at bat ever, I got hit by a pitch. So it was really <laughs> so that was like the most anticlimactic thing ever because you're all <laughs> jacked up, ready to go, and uh, Jose Quintana did this little uh, cutter down and in and smoked me in the shin. I didn't even feel it, and I'm like, uh-huh. I think I think it hit me, but I'm not sure because I mean it hit me hard, but I just had so much adrenaline and I run the first yeah. base like whatever. And then the next night, my or the, that night, my my shin's massive. It, it it crushed me. I just didn't feel it, and so that was like this really anticlimactic moment We're like, okay, like it's your first at bat. Doesn't technically count, but I mean, you're on base, so you're on basis. So <laughs> and then the next day, uh, I faced Chris sale and I just got dominated for like three straight at bats. I was like, all right, dude, you got to calm down and figure this out like you're in the big leagues, whatever. And then had a good at bat against him, the fourth at bat and walked. And then the fifth at bat, they brought someone else in. Thank God. And hit a home run off him. So yeah.
0: That's crazy. Um,
1: yeah.
0: I did see too, that when you went into the dugout, um, they all huddled up, kind of did the thing where you, was. is that something you knew was going to happen or did you go in there and you kind of just played along with it? Cause <laughs> yeah. I saw you smiling uh, and faking everything. And then I saw, no. It.
1: Yeah, I didn't, I didn't expect it was going to happen. I, to be honest, I just kind of blacked out, run around the bases. I wasn't thinking about what was going to happen. So I get in there and then I see it's happening. And then, I don't know, that's just kind of my personality. I just wasn't, it was just sort of natural for me to mess around and give fake high fives yeah. and do that kind of stuff or whatever. Um, But yeah, I didn't, it, in hindsight, yeah, it should have been obvious. They're probably going to do something. Your first hits a home run, but I, I didn't, wasn't planning on it. I just got in there and, and I uh, was doing some fake high fives or whatever. The cool the cool thing is about with being in Tampa at that time was I felt really comfortable even just being a rookie because a lot of those guys, we were really young and I'd come up the system with a lot of those dudes. So I'd still, I had some of my, my really good friends on that team, which was really cool versus I think a lot of rookies come up and it's, you know, it's. A much different environment for them so i felt really comfortable to like to be myself and everything so that was just kind of an expression of that yeah
0: you said you faced chris sale mm-hmm. i'm sure you faced other pitchers was one that you kind of were like don't i don't want to hit against him again not really that but you know like yeah no no
1: no it, tanaka, <laughs> tanaka for sure I, I don't i don't ever want to even like lay eyes on him again he's, <laughs> he's i see him in my nightmares um so tanaka for sure i mean i just literally could i just couldn't see his splitter and i would swing at it every single time he would throw it every pitch and i'd swing at it every time and i'd go back to the dugout and i was like I, I don't know what to do with this he just it's so disgusting it just disappears so tanaka for sure craig kimbrell was not fun at all michael Givens was really not fun he throws like a thousand miles an hour from like over here and i think he's like a really <laughs> really slept on reliever there's a lot of good pitchers are really good. It's really, it's a pain in the butt to be honest, how good they are. I wish they would chill out. Um, Yeah, there's, there's, I would say those three guys are, were, were not, not fun at all. Yeah.
0: Um,
2: That's absolutely crazy.
0: So I've heard from minor leaguers, not really minor leaguers, but just people in general that say, you know, you play high school, you play college, you get in the minors. And then that jump from the minors to the MLB is like a pretty big jump. Like, Talent wise, going through those minor league stages, <laughs> I'm sure it gets you ready for that. But is that jump like the pitching and just the power and everything from a major leaguer compared to a minor leaguer? Is it a big gap?
1: Yeah. Um, I would say, well, I, 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 yes and no, right? So, so there are the top end of the big leagues there's a huge, huge gap. Like the difference between me and Mike Trout is massive. Right. But the difference between me and like, you know, 80% of the league is pretty normal. And the difference between me and a minor leaguer is pretty much non-existent. Right. Um, so there's plenty of dudes in AAA that could easily be in the in the big leagues right now. Like in, there's plenty of dudes in Triple A, probably a few dudes even in Double A that could easily be in the big leagues right now and you wouldn't blink twice at them being there, right? There's a ton of really talent. There's more talented dudes than there are roster spots for sure. The difference is the top echelon of guys is what separates the two leagues for like the the Chris Sales, the Craig Kimberls, the Bryce Harper's, the Mike Trouts, the Mookie Betts, like these dudes that are the guys, like the dudes, those guys are just so incredibly good that that's where the big, the big separator is. The, that and the pitching is across the board amazing, right? There's a ton of nasty arms in AAA, but you'll also, on every roster, there's probably two or three guys that are, um, uh, journeyman dudes probably don't throw as hard they locate really well they're great They're you know, great guys to like suck up a bunch of innings they're crafty they know how to get outs and stuff but like in the big leagues it, the bullpen it every dude throws 100 miles an hour with like insane movement and one, at least one like elite pitch and so that's like a big difference too is there's just no there's no like reprieve there's no break you're never like you know if if they take a starter out then it's just Four straight dudes of unhittable stuff, where that's not necessarily (laughs) always the case in in AAA, right? You can have like a a wipeout starter, and then maybe like a few middle guys that are good but but manageable, and then like a really good closer. Where in the big leagues, it's like, you know, uh, you're bringing in someone like you know. Uh, I'm trying to think of a good person like Adam Oviedo over like in the in the seventh inning or something. You're like, what are we what are we doing here? This guy's like closer on every team. Like, yeah, so it just is it's it's relentless. It's relentless. I think that's probably the 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 bit. there's like just no there's no breather you know in the big leagues.
0: So, what I'm trying to say, like, what separates you from the Mike Trout's and then, like, what is it about them that makes them so, i know it's because obviously they are very good they're the top of the game but like why are a lot of these players not so well if that makes sense if i'm kind of it's kind of sounding like
1: yeah so so question. i think i think i know what you're saying like what kind i of feel stuff, like when you make what it, what separates, it to the separates, like, yeah what's obviously a guy like the Trout? in the world right right correct
0: so why are they the best in the world
1: anyway? yeah i mean my so the so it's kind of the stuff that i talk about all the time on social media stuff is to me there's two things it's the mental game and then it's you know a a consistency and a flawlessness like in their mechanics right so i'm a big preacher of a mental game and how important that is and i'm a big believer that like your mental game is your ceiling as a player um because i had a ton of physical tools right like physically there wasn't a huge gap between someone like me and bryce harper right but mentally there's a massive difference. like it, it i just was you know i didn't have like the i didn't have the mental like fortitude and the consistency to be like a a star player i was way too hot way too cold i would get worked up on stuff like these dudes are these dudes are just so elite at uh game planning on approach on being able to just like truly embrace greatness um and you know, I, I look back on it at 32, and if I could put my 32 year old brain in my 24 year old body, then you know, I, I think I, would you know, that'd be a a a, a star player. Um, but that's just not the case, right? Like that's the hard part about it is that you're young, and sometimes a lot of like young guys they get overwhelmed. And I think the guys that really separate there is a there is a physical difference for for a lot of people, right? Like Mike Trout is just so quick twitch and explosive and strong Shohei Otani. Like there's just guys, he can do things that guys just can't physically do. Even, even compared to other big leaguers, guys like myself and whatever. But for the most part, even, even with, you know, some of the physical separations to me, it's the, it's the mental game on what these guys can do, right? Like they don't allow 0 for 8s to become 0 for 20s like the rest of us. Um, They know, they know what pitches coming before it's even thrown like that's just how in tune they are with the sequences and the pitches and all this type of stuff um and some of them too just don't they don't know any better other than to be great right they've been great since they they rolled out of bed and it just they have such an expectation about it and so that's kind of how they go about their whole life um so yeah, I mean, there, there's also, I mean, there's a there's a little bit of luck involved, right, with, with anything, right? You got to be in the right situation. There's plenty of guys that had they been in a different situation, they probably would have thrived and gone on to be, you know, incredible players and vice versa, right? There's guys that probably are really good players right now that were fortunate being in the system. I mean, I, the, the example I give all the time was like, didn't really matter how good of a shortstop you were from about 1990 to 2006. If you're in the Yankees system, because you work into the big leagues, right? Like yeah. Derek Jeter <laughs> had that on lock, you know, and, and, and there wasn't, you know, and they probably weren't going to trade a bunch of those guys either because they wanted to have reliable backups. So there's a lot of, you know, of the business and the luck side involved with that too, that kind of puts guys in positions to, to kind of be great also. But at the end of the day, it's really about that, that mindset um, and the confidence.
2: Okay. So okay. with that, you, you talk about being the best and everything. Were you normally an infielder that went to outfield, or how did that go? Because you
1: kind yeah, of yeah. So so I was a third baseman, um, and I was I, a third baseman all the way through the minor leagues. Um, and then right as I was about to get called up, I basically like right when I got called up. They obviously had Gold Glover there with Longo at third. I'm not going to play third base over a you know a, a guy who could very arguably win a Platinum Glove. He's that good at third. Um, so they moved me over to first because they want to try to get my bat in the order. So then once that happened, I kind of never went back to third base. It was one of those things where sort of your perception as a player gets altered and shifted in the narrative about who you are. Just kind of gets set in stone. You don't have a ton of control over that, right? So as much as I I always from from. From the day I from the day I got signed to the day I left, I always took ground balls at third. I always tried to push the narrative of me as a third baseman back into the conversation because it was just more much more valuable as a third baseman. But ever since I got to the big leagues and got moved over to first, it just kind of never I never got that opportunity again. And then so because of that, I was trying to you know increase my value a little bit more and told guys I could play the corner outfield. And so when I got you know picked up by Cleveland finally, that's when they moved me to the outfield um, and from that point on, then I kind of stuck in the outfield a little bit more too. So um, yeah, so I came up as an infielder, always wanted to stay and be a third baseman. And the unfortunate part is I got so much better at third base when I got called up because I would take ground balls a Longo all the time. And he was pretty instrumental in like changing everything with how I thought about defense and ground balls and everything. And it sucks because I feel like he got so much better as third basement and I never got to use it. So I uh, <laughs> look at like the years that I played third prior to that. And then the all the stuff I learned and got to do, and I just never got to I never got to do it in a game, which was a huge bummer. It's so, like I mean I did in spring training. I would play third base all spring training long, and then the season would start and I would go to first the outfield. I was like, okay, second, time.
0: So. so what what teams did you play for?
1: Um Tampa, Cleveland, and Milwaukee. Ooh.
0: I mean which one was your favorite? Um, I mean
1: I got to say Tampa. I mean, they're the ones that gave me the opportunity to play in the big leagues, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I, I loved all the organizations I was, I was, I played for, they were pretty great. Um, there was a bunch of teams I was on from a roster perspective, like in, in the 2016 offseason, I got traded to Seattle and then Seattle DFA'd me and I got picked up by Philly and then Philly DFA'd me. I got picked up by Cincinnati, Cincinnati DFA'd me. I got picked up by Cleveland, Cleveland DFA'd me. And then I ended up sticking with them all through. So that all happened in like five weeks. It was crazy. And only in offseason, I never played a game. They never even saw me or anything. So I was with a bunch of those organizations, but I never actually played a game for them. But um, yeah, all the, all the teams I played for were awesome. Um, and I got super fortunate with the AAA affiliates, too, because I played in Durham for a couple of years, which is incredible. Um, and then I played in Columbus, which I really loved. The Milwaukee affiliates weren't that great. But um, the two places I played, uh, I mean, because it was in Colorado Springs, but I don't, I don't count that nearly as much as the other two
2: how did that affect you mentally
1: yeah it sucked it was hard <laughs> no, it was terrible uh, i was so confused because so when it happened when when i got traded in 2016 i was still i was in the big leagues like i finished the year in the big leagues and so i was still of the mindset that like i am a big leaguer I'm still this guy who was a first round pick. I played in the futures game in 15. Like I was still a commodity, right? Like I was still someone wanted. And so when I got traded, I, I was under the assumption that Seattle was like trading for me because they wanted me and, and, that's a pretty good assumption like jerry depoto called me and he's like hey we're so excited to have you blah 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 little did i know that that's kind of just you know how it works where you know if you get picked up the gm calls you and when you get let go it's like some seventh dude down the totem pole who's like you know he's like making burritos in the back he's like oh yeah by the way we got a note that says like you got dfa so itself like, okay um and so when i first got dfa that like really hit me hard because i just wasn't i never viewed myself in in that light that i was like someone who could get dfa'd i had much I had a much different sense of my worth as a player than I guess the league saw. And so that kind of changed a lot of things. And then I got DFA again and again. So then once that, once that, again, once that narrative started, then it, the snowball just kind of kept going. Like I was someone that was like easily, you know, um, you know, uh, someone that you, you could kind of toss away. But then on the flip side of that, all these teams were still claiming me and picking me up and you have to use a roster spot for that. So it was a really, it was a bittersweet thing. Cause I was like, these teams want me, but they don't want me. They're not sure what to do. Um, And the bummer was I, at the end of all of it, I got DFA'd and then cleared waivers with um, Cleveland. So I got taken off the 40-man roster, but stayed with Cleveland and ended up having like a monster season in 2017 with them. And they could just never find a way to get me back on the roster. And I didn't end up getting called up, even though I hit 30 home runs in AAA and, you know, drove a 90 at 800 plus, you know, OPS. And so that was a huge bummer. Like, had I just... Had they just not DFA'd me right before camp, I probably would have been in the big leagues at some point because I was on the roster and I was having a great year and I would have been an easy call up. I had plenty of options. So those, those are some of the unlucky parts of of, the, of, of people's careers too, you know? What, what exactly does DFA mean? Designated for assignment. So basically you have like your 25-man, I guess 26-man roster now in the big leagues. And then you have your 40-man roster, which is basically a spare 15 players. And those guys are either like on the DL, they're in the minor leagues somewhere. Um, And anyone who's on the 40-man roster can get called up to the 25-man roster freely throughout the season. Now, if you want someone who's not on the 40-man roster to get called up to the big leagues, who's in the minor leagues, like I was with Cleveland, you basically have to take someone off the 40-man roster, which is designating them for assignment, DFAing them, so that they can make room for someone like me to get on the roster. And so when you get DFA'd, you get put on waivers and waivers is essentially all the other teams have a chance to claim you and add you to their 40 man roster. And so then how it works is whatever league you're in. So if you're in the AL, like I was with Cleveland in reverse order of record. So like the worst team in the AL gets dibs first, And then in reverse order of record all the way through the AL. And then if no one takes you, then reverse order of the NL. And then if no one takes you on both sides, if if everyone has a chance to claim you, and if no one claims you, then you basically
0: clear waivers and you get taken completely off the roster, but then remain with that team. Jeez, there's so many things that happen behind the scenes that people don't see.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah.
0: Um, Something too, like when you were talking about how you're getting traded, is that something that you have any kind of choice Like, do you get any say in that?
1: No. I mean, until you're a dude, until you're like a guy and you can negotiate no trade clauses and all that kind of stuff in your contract, no.
0: So do they, is it something where, I know you said it was like a couple teams in five weeks. Is that something where you're traveling to that place every time or do they, is it just phone calls? No,
1: it was just phone calls. I would just be eating brunch, enjoying a nice plate of scrambled eggs and bacon. And I get a call and they're like, Hey, by the way, you just got DFA. And I was like come on, man. Like, let me enjoy my breakfast, dude. And then, you know, three hours later I get a call and be like, Hey, it's Philadelphia. We just picked you up. We're excited. I'm like, all right, great. I can enjoy my lunch. And then it's like, you got DFA'd again. I'm like, it's just this roller coaster, back and forth and back and forth. And that's not normal. It was a very, it was a very abnormal thing to the point where like there was a bunch of articles written about it and people were talking about my crazy off season. Um, Cause it just doesn't, it just doesn't happen like that. Cause it doesn't make a ton of sense for teams to, add and add and remove the same player on a roster that they don't even see in person. You know what I mean? A lot of times they'd come in and work you out and do all kind of stuff. But like, these were all just transactions happening on a, on a computer screen somewhere, you know? And, and meanwhile, I'm sitting at home, like just twiddling my thumbs, wondering what in the world is going on. Um, and uh, yeah, so it was, it was nuts, crazy time.
0: So do you, did you when you were playing like for the Rays, were you you were starting or were you playing all the time or? Um so
1: I would play against lefties mainly, which was um which was tough, right? Cause I went from obviously in the minor leagues, I was, you know, playing every day, hitting the middle of the order, to, you know, platoon hitting, pinch hitting a ton against like when back end lefties would come in. Um and, you know, if you follow baseball, late ending lefties are usually pretty freaking good, right? Yeah. It's Josh Hader and Harold oh, yeah. Chapman and, you know, Jake Diekman and these guys. It's not like you're it's these are not these are not easy at bats for anyone, let alone someone coming in cold off the bench. So that was that was a real challenge for me, for sure. And a huge shift in like how I had to prepare Um, and I don't think I did a great job of it in in the moment, to be honest. Like I look back on it and there's a ton of things I could have done differently, but I just didn't know any better. You know, I was young and inexperienced and thrust into a situation that I was not ready for in terms. I was ready for the big leagues. I wasn't ready for what they were asking up to me to do, which is basically come in late in games, pinch hit and like learn how to do something that realistically a veteran is very good at doing. But as a, as a, as a rookie who's just getting used to the big leagues in general, and, you know, has never seen any of these pitchers trying to learn how to pinch hit in scenarios like that was 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 tough. But I did start against a lot of lefties um, in day games and stuff like that, too. But, uh, yeah.
0: What's your favorite stadium? Oof.
1: Um, I mean, Fenway is amazing. Right. I mean, speaking just, of Fenway, you
0: know, yeah. speaking of Fenway, you blasted one out of the park. Very true. Over the monster. Yes. How was that? Like, I saw that hit. It was gorgeous. And you hit that. Were you like, was it like your, I don't want to say best hit, but was it one that you were just, oh yeah,
1: for sure. It's one of the, yeah, (laughs) one of my favorite moments. Absolutely. The the thing that sucks is like, I I look back on it and especially when you're a rookie, you're trying so hard to like not look like a rookie and look like you belong. And so I hit it. I hit it and I just kind of put my head down and started jogging. Cause it was like a, no doubt or immediately, but looking back on it, like, I wish I would have watched it, man. Like yeah. I think oh, yeah. like, like in my head, in my like cocky little 24 year old brain, I'm like, this is going to be one of 500 homers I hit. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like not five homers, you know, 500. So, um, I wish I would have watched it and enjoyed it more. Cause like, I don't have a ton of memories of it because I just put my head down and started jogging. Uh, the memories I have of it are clips that I get to watch of myself. So I wish I would have watched a <laughs> little bit more and they really soaked in that moment. I didn't realize there was going to be, there were going to be so few, yeah.
0: yeah.
2: What's your least favorite stadium? Mm,
1: uh, Detroit. Yeah, Detroit. It's just so big. It's way too big. What are we doing? And it's cold. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, it's just, what are we doing?
0: So did yeah. you, how many stadiums did you play at?
1: uh i don't know maybe half i didn't get i didn't get to the west coast really i got to houston and that was it i didn't go any farther i didn't go far any farther west than that
0: okay um so right now with the who's in the major leagues who thinks the best hitter
1: best hitter right now in the big leagues um Jordan alvarez okay he's so good man i mean like to me the obvious answer is someone like judge right but like just trying to be a little more unique with the answer so it's not a boring take i think Jordan alvarez dude the guy is he's just unstoppable he's so good uh and he dominates everyone right it's not like he just only hits righties or whatever he dominates everyone he's an absolute unit his approach is incredible i, I he's just when he's on he's an absolute game changer um and i just love i love watching him hit it's so much fun he's a monster
2: it's crazy watching like players develop because he was, he was with the Dodgers like, and they traded him for a couple pieces. Didn't work. And then now he's a stud. He's just yeah. like, the face of them.
1: Yeah. I mean, and that's kind of what I'm talking about where like being in the right environment at the right time and getting the opportunities is like guys allow you know, get a chance to blossom and become these dudes. Um, you know, i think about that i mean there's there's plenty of stories like that like justin turner was a guy you know at the mets who was you know a good player but you know was trying to find his feel and then obviously he gets traded and then gets with Vanskoyak and some of these guys and becomes like the stud um you know jd martinez is another guy he revamped himself and became a superstar so i mean like getting in the right opportunities and getting your 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 chance to kind of you know carve out your identity as a player is huge so are you are you a Rays fan yeah, I mean, like, I <laughs> I wouldn't say that, like, I wouldn't say I'm like a diehard race fan. Like, I just I watch general baseball and I cheer for individual guys more usually. But, I mean, if the Rays are playing well, then, yeah, I absolutely, you know, I absolutely root for those guys. I, a lot of my buddies are phased out of that team now, so I don't have a ton of, like, personal connections to them anymore. I think, like, Kevin Kiermar was the last dude who I played with there and now he's and now he's gone um they have a couple younger minor league guys and, and actually people from other teams you know that are with them now guys like yanni diaz and stuff um but i root for them yeah i feel like they're in the playoffs and they're playing just a random like if it's like rays versus yankees i'll cheer for the rays yeah i um, mean like sure. what
0: 12 and 0 this year in the beginning the first yeah it's
1: nuts yeah it's crazy
0: that's insane yeah and i feel like the rays lately have been doing pretty good but they were never like the talk of baseball, I feel like not never, mm-hmm. but you know, it's always the Dodgers and like, yeah, the right, right. It's yeah. not like the Rays, and then these guys come out and twelve and zero in the first. 12. I'm like, geez, like, yeah, yeah, they killed it. No, they've
1: got a, they've got an awesome system there. We, always me and some of my buddies, always joke around because we like to say that we were like the guinea pigs of the Rays for for like <laughs> years, right? Like, so they're awesome now and they're great, but there's a lot of growing pains, you know eight, 10 years ago with like all the different stuff, all the interesting intricate little things that the rays do and the rays are known for, there's a lot of experimentation that went on eight to 10 years ago that did not work very well to get to this point. So we always like to joke around and say, we were like the, the Guinea pigs, we walked. So the rays could run right now. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So. Um, Do
2: you, um, do you get any like, uh, any like special treatment? Like, Going to Tampa? Like, did you have any like perks of going there?
1: Mm, no, not really. Um, no, no, I'm, i not. No, that's I just a... didn't. I didn't have. I didn't have enough of an impact for that. I think if I went there and like, I think I could sit in the stands. No one would recognize me. But if someone said like, "Hey, that's Richie Schaefer," if like, a really big race fan, I'd be like, "Oh yeah, I remember him. He was kind of cool." But like, your casual fan would be like, "I don't know who that is." You know what I mean? So probably not.
0: That's what I was. I mean, yeah, I like,
1: so i have like why well, i should take that back a little bit in terms of like treatment of so like i could call like the gm i can call eric neander and say a hey and like talk to him and be like hey can i get tickets to the game tomorrow and he would be like okay let me get you in touch with the ticket person or whatever you know what i mean so i could like do something like that but like mm. not not like as a whole, right? Not like if Longoria showed up, you know, people would roll out the red carpet for him, right? So it's not, it's not like that at all. People would be like, hey, buddy, get the hell out of line. Like, you skipped me. I was like, okay, sorry, my bad.
0: So, so could you go for free?
1: It, probably, probably if I asked, yeah. yeah that's probably. cool.
0: Um, that's kind of what I was going to ask about perks, but like, when you're actually playing in the majors, are there any perks that like, you got, whether it's, I don't know, uh, whatever kind of perks you got as a major leaguer, that you didn't get as a minor league or anything like that
1: like was travel so i mean yeah travel is way different right i mean um yeah it's it's dramatically different from minor leagues to big leagues in the minor leagues you're taking buses you know eight to ten hours overnight to places you know if if you if you were to be in durham on a sunday and play then you got to be in rochester new york on monday like you're playing a day game and you're getting on a bus and driving ten hours to New York and it stinks. You sleep in the bus and whatever. Where, whereas like my 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 very first games in Chicago, we played three game series there. The Sunday game, we had a day game. We got on a we we packed up we got on a bus to the airport we got on a chartered plane and we are back home in tampa by dinner time you know what I mean? so like we had a nice dinner and we'll sleep in my own bed like yeah and you get like free food and free drinks and all kind of great stuff on the plane and every single seat is like this better than first class like super reclined really? so yeah i mean it's like it's the big leagues i mean it is the show i mean it's it is as decadent and awesome as you can experience even for a team like the rays with like a tiny budget right i can't imagine the like the Yankees or Dodgers playing, you might get foot massages on the plane. Yeah, I don't know, but like, no.
0: Well, <laughs> no, that's, that's cool. Uh, When it comes to like stays too. And like, when you were in minor leagues, you guys had to travel, you guys stayed in a hotel. Was it, was it just like a cheap hotel that they buy? And then.
1: It depends. Um It depends. We would stay at, I mean, we would stay at decent hotels in the, in the minor leagues, depending on where they were, right? Like there just weren't, there just wasn't really any decent, like, Hotels in like Syracuse or Buffalo that just didn't exist. Um, but like when we stayed in, funny enough, when we stayed in like Toledo, there was like actually a cool hotel in Toledo for some reason that was like a cool rooftop bar and all kind of stuff there that we stayed in. And it was a nice hotel. Yeah. But when you're in the big leagues, you stay at five, five star hotels. It's like mandated in like the collective bargaining agreement, you have to stay in five star hotels. So you're staying like Ritz Carlton's and Four Seasons and like W's they, and like they're, they're amazing. Yeah.
0: Do they have like a, Contract with these guys? Do they rent the whole thing out? Do they? No, can, no,
1: no, no. You're not just not the whole a...
0: not the whole thing out. But like, you have to stay with somebody, or do you just get a room by yourself?
1: In the big leagues, no, you're by yourself. Yeah, and in, in the minor leagues, you have a roommate. Yeah, but in the big leagues, no, you're you're by yourself, 100. Yeah.
0: How much, how much free time do you get in the big leagues? Like, I feel like you know you're playing a game, you're playing a game, you're playing a game, and then you travel, and then you're playing a game, and it's 162 games or something like that and so you playing what eight nine months out of the year um during season how how does that free time work because don't you show up early to game time yeah you all your like kind of explain yeah yeah. so
1: i'll run you through i'll run you through like what a typical game day schedule would look like and then an off day so you you get more time off in the big leagues than you do in the minor leagues um because they just are better at negotiating. You just get more time built in and they have to condense the minor league season um, to ensure that like in September guys can get called up to the big league. So you have to squeeze in the season there. So you just have way less off days and way less structure in the minor leagues. So you end up getting more days off in the big leagues and the travels better. So like your rest and your free time is dramatic. Like is is way more on your non-playing days in the big leagues, but for the game day stuff, it's, it's, pretty similar, if not probably more time spent on the field in the big leagues, just because you have more resources in the minor leagues. It doesn't make a ton of sense to show up to certain places. Like on, if you're on the road, it doesn't make sense to show up to the field at 1230 for a seven o'clock game. Cause they just, the the visiting clubhouse may not have like the resources you need to, to even do whatever you need to do. So it just doesn't make sense. So you might go to like a later lunch and do whatever, but like for the big leagues um, I was always really big on getting there super early. Um, it was just, I was just a go getter and like wanted to be, you know, a hard worker guy or whatever. And so Longo was too. And so I'd always like, and I just was like kind of like a puppy by his side all the time. <laughs> it just was like following him around everywhere. And so he would be going super early and there's a bus that would leave at like 2 30 for the field. But he's like, hey, Shay, you want to go grab a cab at 12 to get to the field, I was, like, yeah, let's do it. So we'd get there super early and, um, you know it's for a young dude for a rookie it's better to do that because you know especially if you only have if you have like limited cage space for for doing your routines and stuff you really want to do that before any of the veteran guys come there because you kind of cede the rights to that like to the cage and those things for the for the vets um and so i would get there we would usually get there like at i don't know maybe 12:30 and first thing kind of like grab a quick lunch um and then there we get changed we do some like you know warm up and activation stuff probably in the weight room some like stretching foam rolling some like warm up type stuff and then basically go straight to the cage do uh you know a pretty decently long cage routine um come back from there um maybe grab another snack maybe do something in the weight room if you have to maybe go like the um um the training room and get any type of treatment you need Like you know, I I was young and spry at the time, so I didn't have a ton of stuff, but like Longo was older and more banged up. So he had like a million things he had to do. Um, And then (laughs) usually we, after that we would go out and do um, either early ground balls or early defense stuff. Um, And this is when I would usually take my ground balls at third, because once batting practice started, then I would go to my actual position to do stuff. So first base, usually or outfield and power shag, whatever. Um, And then BP would be at like four for uh, 430, maybe for a seven o'clock game. That would be like an hour, and you would do your cage, like you would do your hit on the field, and then you do defense, and then usually like a base running round, and you would kind of cycle. Um, and then after that, we come in, usually change um into like whatever your under layer would be. Um, so maybe like like new sliders, socks, and like a shirt, and then grab pregame meal. And then after that, it's probably 5.30 or so, and then that's kind of when the the countdown for the game starts. So maybe you'll do like a team, you know, talk or something about the pitcher. That's actually, now that I think about that, that's probably earlier in the day. That's probably right before batting practice would be like, okay, this is who's starting, going over his pitch mix, all that kind of scouting report. Um But then watching any video you want to do, anything you need to do to kind of like rewarm up in the weight room, um, get your stuff ready for game day uh, for like the actual game. And then 625, 630 rolls around and you do your final uh, warm up. You go throw on the field, do whatever. Some guys just warm up in the, in the locker room, whatever. And then seven o'clock game time. So yeah.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome.
1: That's so much. Yeah. It's crazy. And then like on the, on the, on the other end of it is you play the game and then afterwards is, you know, there's a ton of cool down, right? You're doing, you come in, you shower up, eat, and then do, um, you know, any type of cool down stuff that you need to do, whether it be, you know, icing down or doing any kind of like in the weight room post-game stretching, or if you need to lift that day, usually some some guys like to do it after the game, um, ice tub, same things like that, and then get your pregame meal and, and then get out of there. So you usually leave around... Seven o'clock game, you'd leave sometime around I was always late. Maybe some guys get out earlier, but I'd leave sometime around I don't know, eleven, eleven thirty ish or so. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Get home. Get um, home by
1: get home by midnight. Yeah.
2: And are you like done like in the big leagues? Are you you're not trying anymore?
1: What do you mean?
0: That's what I was gonna ask you, you. Like, are you
2: Do you still wanna play in the big leagues? Like, do you still like get that itch. Are you still oh, me
0: right now?
1: Yeah, all the time. But I'm done playing. But yeah, like I obviously I always like get that itch for sure. I mean, there's there's plenty of times where I look back and like, damn, I shouldn't have hung it up. You know what I mean? Like I still got plenty in the tank. And there's other days where like I sat sit down on the couch wrong and my back hurts a little bit. I'm like, dude, that's you, what I was gonna ask you guys. Like, you know what I mean? You, so yeah, yeah.
0: Do you think you still got it? Like, do you think if Hell you- yeah. Hell yeah! I think I
1: still got it. You always got to think you still got it. Now, how I long? I, I don't know if I actually do, but my brain tells me. How I long do. has it been since
0: you've played? Uh, I, I retired
1: at the end of 2019. Okay,
0: so, so like two yeah, or five years,
1: three okay. years, yeah, three years, yeah. Um, I
2: mean, you you've been pretty much everywhere. I can't imagine it'd be that hard for you to get a tryout somewhere. I really don't. I
1: mean, you would think so, but that's kind of why I ended up hanging it up at the at the end of my career is because really? I just couldn't get. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't get everyone to to. I couldn't get anyone to just give me an invite to camp, you know? And so I don't know what, I don't really know what, what, I don't know. You know, maybe people just thought like, okay, we we just kind of know what he is and that's not what we're looking for. And I don't know. Yeah. I don't, that's still to this day, I still am not quite sure why I, why I wasn't able to get um, uh, an invite to camp anywhere. Um, I had a really bad year in 2018. That was just uh, my free agent year. And so it was a really bad time to have a bad year. And so, you know, it was just a poor timing on that. But like 2015 had an awesome year, 2016, I played really, I I played, you know, I improved dramatically in the big leagues, 2017 had a great year Um, and 18 just stunk and then couldn't find any jobs and ended up playing indie ball in 2019 and uh, kind of did the same thing I do everywhere else there. I mean, I'm I'm kind of a lower average to 22, 30, you know, 30 home run kind of guy. And that's what I did there. And so, yeah, I just, no one, uh, no one, no one was interested and, I was like, all right, like if no one's going to be interested, I'm not going to try to chase this down forever um, because you can, you can't just keep playing forever. right? Like they give you opportunities to play elsewhere for stuff. And I'm like, you know, I gave it everything I had. And so let's just, let's just move on to other stuff. But yeah, there's, there's days where I, I, I always, I always, I always miss it. And especially because I feel like I've, you know, changed my mental, my mental game so much too, that I wish I could try to apply it in, in a, you know, a game and see how it does
2: that's so crazy because Bellinger, I mean, he's had like two bad seasons with the Dodgers and then now the shift is gone and the DH is a thing. And now he's just like finding the gaps again.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it helps when you win an MVP, right? It (laughs) helps, you know, it helps when you win an MVP and it helps when, um, you know, you play an elite defensive position in center field, like he's really good in center. Um, and, you know, he's really young too. So, I mean, he's still relative. I don't know how old he is. He's probably 25, 26 now. So, I mean, at the time you know, when he was is having – he that 40, young still? He's really young. Yes, yeah, so he's really young. I mean, I was, this was happening to me at 29, right? So, you're on the you're on the back end of that. Um, how but, old is
2: Nelson Cruz? Nelson Cruz is still swinging the bat. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> no, Nelly He's 42 or 3, but probably probably closer to 48. <laughs> so, did you ever, yeah. face, you ever yeah. face
0: Justin Verlander?
1: I did not face Verlander. No,
0: I did not okay no um does not look like fun about though a question even chris sale
2: i was like oh no man his arm slot Mm -hmm. it's just it's hard to pick up yeah i can imagine
0: a question i want to know because we had damien on here he's a he played in the minor leagues but um sign on bonus does everyone get a sign on bonus because he said he thinks that everyone does obviously it depends on how much but like do you know if everyone that gets drafted gets a sign-on bonus?
1: Yeah, so everyone that gets drafted gets a signing bonus. They vary dramatically, right? So, like, if you're a first-round pick, it's <laughs> in the millions. And if you're, you know, the, the last round, it, you know, it's a couple hundred bucks, right? A thousand bucks or whatever. So, um, they, dra- they vary dramatically. Um, but, yeah, I mean, everyone who signs gets a they, – they, you get a signing bonus. Now, there's, like – you can get signed as a free agent outside of the draft and you don't have to get a signing bonus from that. But yeah, if you're, if you get drafted, you do get a signing bonus. They just, you know, the difference in in what that is is, is pretty, pretty humongous. Yeah.
0: So could you tell us what your sign on bonus was if you don't mind, if not?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's all public knowledge, so I don't hide from it. Yeah. So I was a first (laughs) round pick in 2012. I was pick number 25. My signing bonus was 1.725 million.
0: So, I know in football, I heard this on a podcast. Does that just hit in your bank account?
1: No. Um, So how it worked with baseball is they broke it down into three payments. And so I didn't get my first check. So I got drafted. When was that? I guess in, what is that? Late June or so in June, middle, early June, I guess, whenever the draft is July, maybe. I kind of don't remember when the draft is June, maybe. Um, I got drafted in June. I didn't get my first installment. So I got three installments of that. Um, uh the end of the end of that year so i didn't get it so from june to maybe december i didn't get an installment then i got one in december then i got one march of the previous year and then december of the next year so a year and a half later is when i fully got all my signing bonus um but it's, it's funny because again i don't shy away from any of this because it is all public not like it's all it's all publicized and you, you know being a professional athlete, that's one thing that you have to just embrace is the fact that you know is you know if you become a professional athlete, you get compensated well, and you know it's it just is what it is. It doesn't you know I, there's there's a um, a stigma that sometimes comes around a lot of it, but it's like hey, I can't control what they decided yeah. to want to give me there, so. Um, and, uh, but it's funny because like from June till that time in December, I was still like, I didn't have any money. Right. <laughs> and so I didn't spend money. I still looked like a bum all the time. <laughs> Everywhere I went, I had like, I wear these sperries I'll remember, I'll always remember them. I wore these sperries because like, you know, in 2012 at the time, sperries were cool. So don't judge me. Um, so I was wearing these sperries and there was like a hole in like the heel on the bottom, like right side. Cause I kind of walk on my heels a little bit and everyone was bashing me like, dude, get get some <laughs> shoes. What are your first rounder? What are you doing? I'm like, I don't have any money in my checking account dude like i don't have any money to do to buy anything right now and i like, guess you do I'm like no i don't Has it hasn't come yet dude like, i guess <laughs> i so, got nothing here you know what i mean do so, they
0: take taxes out of that for you
1: oh yeah that sucked no they and, don't take taxes out of it for you no you have to write a check so i wrote a check for like five hundred thousand dollars or something it was ouch. Disgusting. oh wow i wanted to, I wanted to throw up it's it crazy. <laughs> yeah. crazy yeah it was insane it was oh. gross.
0: so what do you wow. i mean you get you know you get a good chunk of money one day like mm-hmm. what do you do like I mean what'd you what'd you first one you're looking at half a million dollars almost
1: um yeah probably around there yeah maybe yeah half a million or you're, you're how old or something I'm 21 years old at the time Dude, yeah. like what
0: do, you, what do you if I'm 21 years old and I look at my account and it's like I'd be like yeah, Let's yeah go. so it
1: was it was crazy uh I was terrified of losing my money so I was like really cheap, super, super, uh, fiscally conservative with a lot of that. And so like financially conservative with that. And so I basically, I needed a car because my parents were like the car I was driving the, my parents were like, that's our car, not yours. <laughs> like your brother needs this. So we're taking this back. Like, and so I bought a 2013 Jeep Grand Cherokee at the time. I think it was like 32,000 bucks. I still drive it to this day. I love it. It's my baby. <laughs> and, uh, I put literally everything else. I had a financial advisor and I just gave it to him and, I paid myself a salary of like $20,000 a year from that signing bonus. And that's what I lived on. And I didn't touch the rest of it. I just invested the rest of it um, pretty ultra conservatively for a long time. And then as I got older and I I learned a little bit more, I started investing a little bit differently, but I didn't touch it, man. I was so terrified of like losing it um, that, and to the point where I actually think it hurt me a little bit because not only like from an investment ideology, I probably could have invested it better and and have more money now than I do because of the, you know, I just wasn't very aggressive with how I invested. I was super safe, but also I was so cheap and so frugal that I also would invest in myself sometimes, right? Like when I moved, uh, I, I was probably three years in when I moved to Raleigh, North Carolina with my wife for her job. And I was looking for a new place to work out because I had a good setup in Charlotte, but I was looking for a new place to work out. And I came across this training facility and it was like this elite, awesome training facility, which in Charlotte, I was working out this place that they were letting me work out for free because I was helping them like build up their you know their their user like their their player base of baseball guys um and so i went there i didn't have that and so it was going to be really expensive it was going to be like i want to say i don't know maybe like four to five grand a month at this place but it was like everything you could possibly do it was basically taking the it was taking the the professional athlete clubhouse and locker room and installing it in raleigh So it was like you have personal, you know, personal chef, you have personal um a physical therapist that would do, you know, massages on you every day. They would do all of your um um, you know, physio needs. They would have um built-in workouts for you. They had every all the equipment you could possibly need. They had training facilities. Everything was like right there to be like a true professional athlete. Um and the guys that are but the guys that already have made it, they have they don't even blink at spending five grand a month on training like that. Right. Oh, yeah. But I was like, I'm not spending $5,000 a month on this gym. Are you out of your mind, dude? And so I look back on that and I'm like, because what ended up happening is I ended up working out. I, 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 I met up with some of these guys and went to NC state and talked them into like letting me come and work out with them in NC state and their, and use their facilities, which was awesome. But I ended up hurting myself lifting because I was doing it all on my own and I didn't have one watching me. And so I hurt my back deadlifting And I look back on that and I'm like, you're an idiot, dude. Like you, you wouldn't spend $5,000 a month on this like state of the art training facility that would have made sure that everything that you're doing was going to be like, to be the, like the best player you could possibly be and the best player in the world. And like, I basically was, was tripping over dollars to pick up pennies, right? Like it just was, I look back on it and I wish I had more, um, you know, I wish I I wish I would have invested in myself a little bit more and and not been so you know uh, tight to the chest with my money on that because um, you know the best in the world they do train like that you know what I mean that is the reality and so me not doing that put myself at a disadvantage even though I was trying to work as hard as I could I just wasn't spending the money on the resources to do it you know so. Yeah. no that well,
2: totally makes sense i mean you're 21 like i dude that's just too much i yeah right it's
1: crazy but i mean if you're you think about it right if you're yeah you know, yeah no you're, it makes you're someone sense, who definitely. just signed a hundred million dollar deal i just like <laughs> you, you fart five thousand dollars <laughs> just like whatever dude. you know like it's nothing to them but to me i was still in the minor leagues i was making you know 1100 bucks a month and You know, to me, like, and I was paying myself a salary of 20 grand out of that. So I was still living like I was making 20 grand a year. And I was trying to just pretend like I didn't even have the money I had um, because I was so scared of losing it and spending it, you know, unwisely. And so, yeah, I mean, it was, it helped because I protected my capital and my assets, but at the same time it hurt me because I didn't, I didn't invest in myself the way I wish I would have.
0: So I want to see if Google is correct real quick, because Google said that your salary was $500,000, 507,
1: 500. Um, and yeah, so that at the time when I got called up, that was, I think that was league minimum for the MLB. It was around so, 535,000 or something like that. 500, so how does, 507.
0: Yeah. How does getting paid in the MLB look? Is that like a regular job? You're getting paid every two weeks. Is it once a month? Is it,
1: how does that work? Yeah, so it was every two weeks, um, and that's prorated, right? So, like, I got called up in August, so I, went, I didn't make a full 500000 I made just made prorated of whatever that is. Um, but, yeah, it's it's insane because you make, you know, 1100 bucks a month in the minor leagues for however, like, the six, seven months that you're playing. So you're making nothing. And you get called up to the big leagues, and at the time, you would make, like, $3,300 a day. And I remember thinking, like, the very first game I played, I remember thinking, like, I made more in this day than I've made the last three months in the minor leagues. Yeah. <laughs> it just such a, it's such an insane. It's, and that's league minimum. That's not even the big dudes, right? Like there is some crazy stat that like a rod made like $40,000 a strike count or something. It just is like, yeah, it's insane. But um, yeah, it was every two weeks and you know, just like a normal, it would be a normal paycheck. It you know, comes to ADP or Gusto or whatever, whatever you get paid through or whatever. That's yeah. Every two weeks. Nice. Yeah. They just had a comma in it and
0: that's that's crazy like i people don't realize that i i'm sure people do but like how much money that is like and that i mean probably from somebody that makes fifty thousand dollars a year right making three thousand dollars a day i couldn't imagine
1: yeah it's crazy so that's why especially guys that were like fringe dudes like me like every day in the big leagues was huge right because think about it from for me from You know, I mean, I was super blessed and fortunate that I got drafted where I was. But you think about like a 30th round dude who made, you know, who got like a thousand dollar signing bonus and now he's making eleven hundred bucks a month in the minor leagues for three years or whatever. I mean, he's made, you know, he's made twenty five thousand dollars over three years, you know, And, and so like every day that he can be in the big leagues is like sorry i'm gonna sneeze oh no <laughs> i sneeze. just came on to me real quick um but yeah that's why like these guys. it's so important like to hang on for as many days as you possibly can because there's no guarantee of tomorrow and for me like I, I i never had like a full calendar year to like start to end year in the big leagues i got was going up and down all the time and so it would drastically swing like what i would make and so because of that you know i mean i had like I never ended up making, you know, I don't think I ever, I don't think I made more than probably a hundred and maybe 80 grand, I think was the highest I made in a year from baseball. You know I mean? From like that particular thing. And so that's an awesome salary, but that was one year. And then it goes, it was less like the, it was, it was less the next year. And then in the year after that, I was just in the minor leagues. And so it goes all the way, it goes back down to you know not making much at all again. So it's just super important that like all of your earning years just get smushed into like this really small space. And the rest of it, you're just trying to, you know, kind of hang on um for dear life if you weren't, you know, fortunate enough to to get a big signing bonus, or whatever. So it is tough for a lot of minor league guys, and that's why it's just so incredible when you do get that call up because it is relatively life-changing for sure. For sure.
2: I gotta I gotta know how did how did you meet your wife?
1: Um we actually are high school sweethearts, so we've been dating no since yeah, we've been dating since my junior year of high school, her senior year. She's a year older. <laughs> <My bad>. Uh <laughs> nice. and uh yeah, so sick, <laughs> dude. Junior's dating a senior? What? So he? Um, so yeah, and so uh uh, we started dating in high school and then she went to Clemson for a year and I was already committed there and was already going there. And that's kind of how we met is like talking about Clemson. Um, and so then we went to Clemson for three years together and stayed together through that. And then she graduated in 2012. And that's when I got drafted, which like the years actually helped because she was a senior and graduated. I was a junior and left. So yeah. And then we have just been together ever since. So it's been damn, what, 17 years or something now. It's crazy. You know?
0: So, so was she, was she all about it? Or was she, ready for the lifestyle of a major leaguer and a minor leaguer. Cause I know like you said, minor league's tough.
1: Yeah. She knew what she was signing up for, for sure. I mean, she was, she was, I think the cool part was like, she was in the weeds from day one. Right. Like, so she, she saw everything. She saw all the good, the bad, the ugly. Um, And she just wanted, she wanted me to be happy and she wanted me to succeed because she knew how much I cared about it. Like the money part is what it is and you know i mean she was with me for from junior year of high school to the day i left college for five years before i had any money at all and um <laughs> you know so it was you know she was in it for all the right reasons always has been she's the best she's always been my rock but we were she never came and traveled with me she worked she's got an awesome job she kills it now she's an absolute badass um and so she would stayed in charlotte and worked while i was in the seasons so we essentially went like you know long distance for seven months out of the year for Wow, eight years yeah it's crazy
0: Dang. Um, it it's tough but so i'm gonna get this will probably wrap up the podcast but yep. i want to get a little deep real quick what not deep but um what is something that you look back on and telling yourself that like if i did this differently i could still be playing
1: or like yeah it's, it's all the mental game man 100 i mean that's why i'm so adamant about it and i know we haven't touched much on it but like I do a lot of the stuff on social media talking about the mental game. I have this program for um, hitters called the six tool athlete system or SixToolAthlete.com, And it's basically a program that I've built because I wish I would have had this when I played. And I feel like I wasted my talent because I couldn't master the mental side of the scheme. Um, and that's the, that's just, that's, that is, that is the truth. And that is the reality. <clears throat> and so if I could go back and just get myself to like, truly learn about like, how to build sustainable, steady confidence, how to build like true approaches, how to deal with failure, how to deal adversity, how to deal with pressure, how to deal with success. Because that's whenever people talk about adversity and stuff, everyone thinks about like dealing with failure, but dealing with failures is pretty straightforward, right? Everyone, everyone understands the like grit and like, you got to try to just determination. But what no one talks about is how do you deal with success? Success is really difficult to deal with, which sounds strange, but when you have success, this weird other pressure that you didn't know existed all of a sudden comes on. Cause it's like, all right, like, did I actually earn this or was it luck? And all these weird insecurities start popping up about like, can I sustain this? Like, is this something like I, I did it? Can I do it again? Um, you know, or the other way around where you start to get a little comfortable and complacent, you stop doing a little bit of the work that kind of got you there in the first place. And then you let your foot off the gas a little bit. And then all of a sudden you look up And you're just, you know, you're just missing the balls by a hair and you're just a little bit off. And that's because you're not putting in the same amount of work as you were before, because you've just kind of come to expect success to happen. So dealing with success is really difficult too. And so if I could go back and tell myself that it would just be, it it would really just truly be the mental side of it. it, learn how to like appreciate my time there, have a bit more perspective on that, because for the longest time, like. I just I viewed myself as such a failure because I had such high expectations for myself. I was a first-round pick and, you know, uh, hit cleanup in the Futures game with a lineup that had, like, Judge, Swarber, Trevor Story, Conforto, Trey Turner. Like, I was, like, the dude, right? I was supposed to be, like, the guy, and I just wasn't. And so for the longest time, I viewed myself as such a failure. But it took a long time to, like gain real perspective on like all the things I accomplished and and truly look back at my career with pride. But like, I didn't have that in the moment. So like, how do you do that in the moment? How do you zoom out and look at what you're doing in the moment so that you can appreciate what you're doing and understand that if you're having struggles that like, this is temporary and you're going to zoom out, like, look at all the success you've had. You're putting all this emphasis on this past week and not the past 10 years of stuff that you've done. So there's a lot of that from the mental skills side, um, that I just wish, I would have had, and that's why I'm so adamant about it now. Because I just truly think it is the number one barrier to a lot of people's true potential and career. You know, we uh, people spend hours in the cage every single day to the point where they rub their hands raw with blisters, and, and, and no one even thinks twice about the mental side of it. And it is arguably, you know, more important. So that that's 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 the number one answer
0: for sure. That was that was good. Yeah, I think for anybody that is taking baseball serious and is, you know. High school, whatever level you're at, trying to make it. Listen to that. Like, <laughs> that's real. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. you can have all the talent in the world, but if you're if you're not really there yeah. mentally, it's not going to work out. But um, last thing we'll end it on something a little fun. Yeah, I we play baseball in a men's league. Okay, um, it's a pretty competitive men's league. So like take it kind of serious. I'm just saying like oh, I it's get... not one of those softball leagues. It's legit. Sure, I play beer league softball on Thursdays, and so it's okay. not serious. So
1: I do that. We, we, have, had... we have a ton of fun.
0: And my league, because he's from California, I'm in Alabama. He uh, we have a guy that threw like 92 last year. Okay. Came out of college a couple years ago, but um, I am a pool hitter, but okay. to the point where I'll hit it 300 feet, but 50 feet fast, <laughs> okay. and I pull my shoulders too much. Other than just telling me don't pull my shoulders, what can I do to like, <laughs> what can I do to work on something so I don't do that?
1: Yeah, I don't know, man. I'd have to see. I'd have to see swing it and look at. I mean, like, are you, are you, are you pulling every pitch? If oh, like outside, inside doesn't matter. He pulls,
2: he pulls outside pitches.
1: Yeah. Okay. He
2: pulls outside pitches. I catch and I see everything.
1: <laughs> so then you know what's gonna sound really strange is I would say. I would say open up your stance, which sounds counterintuitive, but so open your stance up um, and get off the plate a tiny bit. And then when you stride, stride a little bit more like in and towards the plate. And that will sort of close you off a little bit more and change your angles a little bit. And this is, I'm saying all this without, without no, seeing no, you. No, know? you're good because- But yeah, because it, it's interesting because people think you've got to do the other way. But the problem is if you start close off, your body's gonna naturally want to open up and then everything follows through it. So start open. Your body's gonna naturally be like, I'm too open. Let's get closed, and so then you're gonna work yourself into being closed, and now all of a sudden your energy is going through the middle of the field a little bit more instead of towards the pull side. So let's, see if that
0: see if that works. Let's go. I'm gonna hit nukes this year. Watch. Um, <laughs> there you go. No. There you go. Danger city. It, it like I've never even thought about it that way because everyone on my team's like, why don't you just sit like Stanton does and like completely turn? And then when you no, think it's the opposite. It, no. Like you're saying, when I go to step, I'm not gonna really stay like that. I'm probably gonna step back to open up, right. and that might be. What I'm doing. So now that I can yeah. focus on stepping in and turn, like, yes, dude, I love it. I don't yeah. even. Yeah, oh, three hundred. If you if are you, if, 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 if you're
1: closed, if you're closed, your body's gonna naturally want to open up a little bit more, so you have room to swing. And and what's gonna happen is you're just gonna continue on that move. So everything's gonna continue to rotate out like towards the third base dugout. I'm assuming you're righty, and and it's just everything's gonna continue. And then the barrel and the pal, the is gonna come across the plate. Everything's gonna move towards left field. Whereas if you start open. And you start real open, even you can even have your shoulders open. And then as you stride, you stride like in and towards, like in and towards the pitcher, or towards like second base. And then everything closes down. And then as you close down, then all that stuff will, instead of going to left field, the barrel and the energy will start moving towards the middle of the field.
0: Let's go. go. I'm pumped.
1: There you go. I have,
0: I have practice this Sunday and I'm going to stand up there like that. And my coach is going to be like, no, you need to go, you need to close your stance. I'm like, just watch. Just
1: watch. Just watch. Help
0: me out. Watch. And Sadie, I'm hit right one here. Here to right here.
2: Okay, yeah, okay. yeah, all
1: right, there you go. There you
2: go. No, I you, like you it. You um, take videos and send it to him.
1: I
0: will, I will, yeah. No. Um,
1: but hey, I only take credit if you do well. If it backfires on you, that's not my fault. <laughs> Don't
2: worry, I'll put it's okay. He's in. like, he's like five three.
0: <laughs> not five three. The
1: key to being a good, a good hitting coach is you only take credit for when the players do well, and if they do poorly, then just say they, you know, as a, yeah, yeah, you so can, like I, get, you can only get through these hitters so much. So if
0: I hit like a hundred back, like a 100 average or whatever i'll make sure that i don't say that you taught me that i'll just correct
1: dude. it's <laughs> not my fault yeah if you um, rake if you rake that's that's i get credit for that if you don't then that's not my fault all right so that was
0: good um yeah dude i didn't know that you were in north carolina um you're not far from me um we i would love to have you on again sometime in the future because i feel like i have so much still to talk about but we've already been on here for an hour oh um,
1: yeah i'm a talker sorry i can ramble no i love it <laughs>
0: no great. no you're um, awesome man but we would I mean, if we could do this in person sometime, that would be awesome. Um, but, dude, thank you so much for hopping on yeah, here. Yeah, of course.
1: No, thank you guys. It was fun, man. I appreciate it.
0: I, I learned a ton. I mean, you're <laughs> our first major leaguer that has been on here. And this, not saying the minor league people are like Damien didn't know what he was talking about, but it's like you've been through everything.
1: Yeah, right, right. There's, so, there's not, not much I hadn't seen. It was
0: cool to just kind of know because – you know that was our dream is to make it and obviously we didn't so um appreciate you hopping on here dude no i appreciate you guys thanks a lot and uh good luck with the with the pod man thanks man and if you don't mind just hop just stay on here for just a quick minute i'm gonna let him end it and then i'll just uh we'll say goodbye to isaiah
2: any anything you want to plug in man any last bit
0: um yeah man just
1: follow me on all my socials i'm a straight influencer now dude let's go let's so, go um, yeah, follow That's me on tiktok richie.shafer follow me on insta richie schaefer underscore youtube richie schaefer so just go go uh, if you want some cool baseball content go follow me there you know want
2: to if you want to learn how to hit nukes hit there them you up, go man don't worry i'll i'll make
0: a video of me hitting a nuke i'll post it there you and go it'll, then i'll say that you taught me how to do that and then there you go
1: uh there you go that'd be my testimonial www.6toolathlete.com
2: thank you you so much richie dude you're awesome i appreciate it guys i'm I'm, I'm, gonna have my jordan pitch to you and in ku (laughs) i love it (laughs) (laughs) thanks for listening guys we love you take care
0: see you later everyone